Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Oh my gosh. I Okay, welcome back to the recap. This is the June 12th episode? 11th. This is the June 11th episode. Mm-hmm. All right, you know my draw name? Mm-hmm. And the winner is... Sally, I guess you're not getting your rooted and grounded mug for her gift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad she did. I don't think she listens to the I don't, recap. So. I don't think she's won yet. Oh, she hasn't? I don't think so. I think this oh, is her first win. Good. Yeah, that makes me really happy then. Uh, we're in Deuteronomy, Isaiah, and Psalms still. I, I don't think I have a lot to say today. I'm sure we will talk forever, but. I feel like I did so much underlining this week. Uh, right, I did do a lot of underlining, but there was one portion that I was like, this is it. started in nine Deuteronomy. Okay. Nine. I am just going to say it a thousand times because I think the point is worth driving home that just God does it all. He does it. That's does exactly it. what I was going to say before when we were talking before that I said, thought the whole theme, like we've talked about this, Yes, everything this week, yes, Deuteronomy and Psalms and Isaiah, that's all it was. He does it. Yeah. He does it. He does it. He does it. He wants us to rest in the reality Mm -hmm. that he does it. He wants us to abide in him. He wants to be our portion and our possession. And he wants us to watch him do it all. He does it all. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know that we know this. I know that this is like Christianity 101, but I guess being in a culture of people that like are just in the flesh of a human who just thinks that it's about me and what I can accomplish and earn, like this message is so, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to absorb. And I just feel like it's just in my face all the time. Anyway. Starting with verse four, when the Lord, your God drives them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord brought me in to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. Instead, Mm -hmm. the Lord will drive out these nations before you because of their wickedness. Then moving down to verse six, understand that the Lord, your God is not giving you this land to possess because of your righteousness for you Mm -hmm. are a stiff necked people. In case you missed it 30 seconds ago, (laughs) let me just say it again. Yep. The theme of this week was that God will do it. And yet in Deuteronomy nine and Deuteronomy 10, twice God listens to Moses and responds in response to what Moses requests. And so like the first time, um, the example he gives is in verses 18 through 20. This is after he comes down and they've built the calf and Moses smashes the tablets and God is like, I am done. (laughs) Like we're wiping Mm -hmm. them out. Actually, this might be more, this might be the second time because he says, once again, God listened to me. So maybe I missed the first time where, Um, well, yeah, go ahead. 
But once again, God listened to me and Aaron, how furious he was with Aaron, ready to destroy him. But I prayed also for Aaron at the same time. And then in 10, okay, 10 verse 10, he stays on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I guess that's when he goes back. That's when Moses goes back up to get the second set of tablets after he's Mm -hmm. broken them. And he says, and God listened to me just as he did the first time. And God decided not to destroy you. Anyway, the, those examples of God. And I mean, it, it talks about that in the new Testament too, that prayer works. We don't understand how or why, but it works. But thinking about how we can see all through scripture that God will do the thing he has promised to do. And he uses his people. somehow, Yes, some way. yes, 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 yes. The promise or the word promise there is like the part that's so cool is because like, that's where, that's what, um, that's what Moses used to intercede. So he used God's right. promise, like the Reminds whole thing God of his promise. Yes. Yeah. The whole thing is Moses reminding God of his promise. Not that God forgot his promise. Not that I'm going to get into what I think God's motivation was or what all of that means, but just right. the idea that he used his promise then. Well, hello there. We're so glad you're following along with us on the recap. We wanted to invite you to study Jacob with us this summer. We have been going through the book of Genesis this year, and our next eight-week study is on the life of Jacob. We'll be meeting all of June and July on Tuesdays live. Or you can join the network and get all of our previous studies for free via podcast. No matter what, we're just glad that you're joining us in the Word of God. Now, let's get a couple back things to that stood out from those two passages that you just brought up that I kind of wanted to talk about. One of them I don't have an answer to, but I wondered about is that the first time God cuts the stone tablets and he writes on them, mm-hmm. Moses goes down and he sees what happens and he breaks them. And then the second time in chapter 10 at the beginning, it says, the Lord said to me at that time, cut two stone tablets like the first ones and come to me on the mountain and make a wooden ark. I will write on the tablets, the words that were on the first tablets you broke and you were to place them in the ark. So I don't know whether, um, I don't really know what's going on there. I just thought it was interesting that the second time God had Moses cut them as opposed to them being cut by God. Mm -hmm. But either way, in both cases, it was God's word that he wrote, Mm -hmm. which was his basically a covenant that he's making with them. Like you do this and I will do this. So we're seeing a different covenant than the one that he made with Abraham. Cause there's an exchange made. And I feel like it's mm-hmm. just been within the last year that I've understood the difference between the covenants, like that, the, mm-hmm. the significant difference between Abraham's covenant and Moses's, the covenant that he gives to Moses and the Israelites. The second thing that was interesting about this passage is that we are just in a spiritual formation group that we're doing. We're talking about the spiritual disciplines and how um, the spiritual disciplines don't make us more righteous. They don't make us any, like we can't earn more of God's favor through the Mm -hmm. spiritual disciplines, but that they put us in a position for the Holy spirit to do a work in and through us. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just more about positioning ourselves in a place where we're desiring for God to work in Mm -hmm. us trusting that he will, he is the one that does the work and he will do it. Fasting is the one that we've decided to practice over the course of the next month. And I just think it's interesting that this is where we see two different kinds of fasting here. The first time Moses is actually fasting because he's in worship. It's just, Mm -hmm. he's in the presence of God and he's Mm -hmm. just totally distract too distracted to even eat because he's wrapped up in the glory of God. And then the second time we see him fasting 
specifically for intercession for the, for in a desire for God to work. And I think that there's other forms of fasting too. You fast in repentance. There's different, there's all kinds of different reasons or ways to fast, but it's an intense, a time of being intentional and having it be intense focus on God and our need for him. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just, thought it was neat to see yeah, both that's interesting. That passage. I read this passage in chapter 10 and I wrote, I'm memorizing this. I haven't memorized scripture in a long time, but I'm memorizing this because it totally blew my mind. Starting in chapter 12, it says, and now Israel, what does the Lord, your God ask of you, except to fear the Lord, your God, by walking in all his ways to love him and to worship the Lord, your God with all your heart and all your soul, keep the Lord's commands and statutes I'm giving you today for your own good. The heavens indeed, the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, as does the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord had his heart set on your fathers and loved them. He chose their descendants after them. He chose you out of all the peoples as it is today. Therefore, circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked any longer and don't be... um. For the Lord, your God is the God of gods and the Lord of Lords, the great, mighty and awe-inspiring God showing no partiality and taking no bribe. This is the part that I love. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. You are also to love the resident alien since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. Mm -hmm. Again, it's like we are trying to do the work of justice and mercy and that's not wrong. Mm-hmm. He says that we are to do this, but like the reality is, is that there will be no justice for these people, except what God execute, like God will execute the justice mm-hmm. of these people and that we are to love them. It like that whole, like faith, hope, and love. That's all that remains faith that God will do it. Hope that God will do it. And in the meantime, we have the wide open spaces to love God and mm-hmm. the people that he puts in our paths in the meantime that whole passage was just like, I think my jaw hit the floor. I was like, this is beautiful. Yeah. I have all that underlined too. Okay. So what you were just saying while you were talking made me think of something that we read in Isaiah this week. Okay. First, let me back up. That was one of the things I noticed in Deuteronomy too. This week was him reminding them, don't forget, don't forget your slaves. Don't forget that I brought you out of Mm -hmm. Egypt. Don't forget who you were. Mm-hmm. compared to what I have made you now. Yes. And then there was a section in Isaiah that we read um, that reminded me there's that in Romans three, the first couple chapters of Romans, Paul's basically talking about who we were. And then he's like, but now, mm-hmm. but now Jesus basically. Mm-hmm. And so that makes me think of, I mean, it kind of goes back to the conversation you and I were having before all of this, like as believers, remembering who we were before we had the spirit should make it a lot easier for us to love. Yes. Just that recognition of, I mean, at the cross, we're all the same Mm -hmm. and without the spirit, we are dead. Yes. Moses is reminding them, don't forget, don't forget who you were. And I mean, it comes up a lot in the new Testament, even just Paul and the epistles. Don't forget who you were, you were dead and now Mm -hmm. you're alive. Yes. Yep. That I think is, that definitely sums up Deuteronomy. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Just reminders of what happened. I was just going to say last week, I mentioned that whole, like, I think probably in 
most translations, it says just the Lord, your God repeatedly, but in Deuteronomy, in the message, it's God, your God. And it sticks Mm -hmm. out to me in a different way. I've just been underlining every time he says that seriously. It's everywhere. Many times (laughs) it's everywhere. (laughs) Moses is just like, do not forget who Mm -hmm. your God is and do not forget that you belong to like, he's your God and you are his people. Like all of that is wrapped up in that. Yes. What were you going to say about 15? Well, just he, the, the whole idea of caring for the foreigner in starting in 12. Um, when you set the slave man, the slave free, don't send him away empty handed, give generously to him from your flock, your threshing floor and your wine press. You are to give him whatever the Lord, your God has blessed you with. Remember that you were a slave mm-hmm. in the land of Egypt and the Lord, your God redeemed you. Having recently studied Ruth again, one of the big takeaways that I got from this, because there's somebody in the class that kind of has a different perspective. Like she, she comes from like that justice mercy, like perspective that I just don't spend a lot of time thinking about. And so Mm -hmm. at that passage, it was great to walk away from it and go what we see in Boaz, because he's walking in the time of the judges when everything was going to hell in a handbasket, Boaz was keeping with the Mosaic covenant as close, as closely as we see anybody doing during that time. And so the beauty of Boaz's treatment of Ruth is that we see that Boaz is enacting the way, what God, like God has already said this, the whole thing has been set up from the beginning, that there would always be enough for everybody, that the poor would always be taken care of, that the slave would always be loved and cared for. Like Boaz has set up an entire community of people that is exactly what God, God's intention was from the very beginning. We get a picture of what it's supposed to look Mm. like when you're a foreigner and you come into God's land. And so that idea that this was, this was God's intention from the very beginning was to make sure there was enough for everybody. And that right now, who we are as believers, if you are somebody who believes that, that this is what God has in mind, for our brothers and sisters who live with a fear that there isn't going to be enough for all of us. If we let the alien and the foreigner come in, it's good to have that reminder of what the character of God is like, that this is God's character to make sure that there is enough for all of his people, Mm -hmm. that there's not just enough, but there's more than enough for everyone. And so if we all live according to that reality, that God will make sure that there's enough for all of us, then we won't be afraid. Like we don't have to live afraid. And so her responsibility as somebody who's social justice minded isn't to get angry with the people that are afraid who live afraid that there won't be enough, but to remind her brothers and sisters that we don't have to be afraid because there Mm -hmm. will always be enough for those of us who follow Christ. Like that we just, we can live so generously with Mm -hmm. everyone. Anyway, just like it, just, just that whole, it's easy to forget when we live half in our flesh and in our politics and half in our Christian, you know, mm-hmm. worldview that God had, God saw this all ahead of time and he set it up a certain way. And when we are in Christ, like we live in that land, live in that kingdom mindedness mm-hmm. and reside in that land right now, you know? Yeah. I wish I could articulate that clearly. I don't feel like I really did, but this is my, this is my theology coming out a little bit, I think, but we live so much in the not yet, like the part that's not like the kingdom that's not here yet. Yeah. We live so much in that, that we forget that the kingdom is here. Yes. And we don't live in that part of it. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. And even though we might vote according to the world, because the world is still the world, I vote based on the fact that I know human hearts are bad. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and if and if human hearts are bad, this is the best way to get human hearts that are bad to like do the right thing to work together. <laughs> to work together. Exactly. This is the closest we can get. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. The reality, like the way I should live my life, though, is that God knew our hearts were bad, and mm-hmm. He made sure that there's still enough for those who are His. <laughs> So it's all going to be okay. (laughs) It is a really like, I think it's something that you've been pondering and thinking through a lot. And so we've been talking about it a lot, but just that. Okay. So you've been, you've been talking a lot about how like faith, hope, and love, everything else can just kind of like, which there is truth to the fact that when we're focusing on those things, other things fall into place or just, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's how, like, maybe that that's how I can take that because I'm still like, well, I still have to vote. Like I still am part of this world. Like I still mm-hmm. live within the confines of the not yet part of the kingdom. Like, yes, yes it's here, but there is some aspect of not yet. And yes. so that's where it gets a little bit hairy is mm-hmm. how you take, how you translate faith, hope, and love into yes. your everyday, like, what does that look like? And that's where. Like we have to trust our responsibility as believers is to pursue the spirit and allow the spirit to work Mm -hmm. what he does, what only he can do because that, then the rest of that stuff falls into place. And then I don't get to look at you and judge your decisions. The spirit is the one that's doing that work in you. It's not my Mm -hmm. job. Mm -hmm. I'm responsible to take what I know about scripture. Yeah. And make sure my life is in line with that. But it is not my job to look at other people and try to do that for them, which is, those are words I should probably keep telling myself. Yeah. I think we're done in Deuteronomy, right? Yeah. I think we covered most of it in Deuteronomy. There's a lot of good stuff in there, but you've really wrapped it up well. (laughs) Isaiah this week felt like the opposite of what Isaiah has been. I think when I think of Isaiah, I think like doom and gloom. And this week, I mean, we finished up Hezekiah, right? 37. We finished up that narrative. We were on a, we were on a cliffhanger last week. We were on a, we were on a cliffhanger. We should start there. We should start there. Let me remind myself what happened. Remind we me what weren't happened. sure. So they were, the, the guys were shouting at the guys on the wall saying yep. that we're going to take it over. Don't listen to anything else because we're coming to take your city. And then they were going to go get Isaiah. And I thought that the city was going no matter what, that they were correct. But I did too. I thought yeah. that too. Yeah. Oh, really? I thought you well, were. I thought, I thought. I thought that eventually, yes, the Assyrians were taking over, but well, I they didn't. Are. It, yes, it doesn't happen in this chapter though. No, right? it actually starts happening in the later chapters of, of this yes. week's reading. So we, so anyway, we know because it does start out with doom and gloom. We do know that they are, Babylon is coming and they're going to take right. over. They are going to take, Assyria is going to take over Israel. And so that's what I thought when I, when they were saying that, I was like, oh, well, they're right. They are actually, they should ignore them because they are going to take them over. Well, Isaiah comes and he's like, don't worry. Um, God says he's going to 
start a rumor and they're all going to die. And they do. Yes. And they do. So God does come to rescue Israel and they were supposed to believe the King who said, God will protect us because he did Hezekiah. Yeah. Yeah. So we see that whole thing happen and God work on Hezekiah's behalf. Like God Mm -hmm. loves Hezekiah. Like it's beautiful how much he does for him. Like he lets and, and how much Isaiah Hezekiah like fasts and prays and like worships and repents. Mm -hmm. Like he does, he's like a man of God, which Mm -hmm. I don't remember him that way. I remember him as the selfish guy who's like, Oh, thank God. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. Right. Like he was that, that's like, that's the end of Hezekiah really is what we get. Is that him responding that way, which totally kind of ruins the rest of Hezekiah. But Hezekiah was a king who loved God and worshiped and honored him. It totally makes me think of David, like that whole like reading of David and you're like, David's amazing. Oh, I love David. David's so amazing. And then you get to the end and you're like, oh, David's really David. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And yet like God still used Hezekiah. Hezekiah Hezekiah was used to bring Israel safety. When Hezekiah was king, they were worshiping God, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So like he wasn't perfect, but yep. he Then there's yeah. that section where Hezekiah gets sick and he's going to die and he begs for more time and so God's like, "Okay, I'll give you 15 more years." Yeah, God gives them more time. Yeah. And he worships and, and tells him how much more time. That's what weirds me out a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if I would want to know that number, but yeah. And I wonder what that was like for Isaiah too, because Isaiah is like, no, get your house in order. This is how you're dying. And then Hezekiah prays. And then Isaiah has to come back and be like, well, you're actually going to live 15 more years. Yeah. Yeah. Son's going to turn back. And sure enough, he gets 15 more years. And we find out later that that's no bueno because the, the son that he has in his last 15 years ends up being the worst king. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Didn't make that connection. He's born during Hezekiah's last 15 years. Uh-huh. <gasps> interesting. And he ends up being one of the worst kings that ever Israel ever has. So then there's a lot in that. And then he sins and Isaiah says, because of this, you're going to, Jerusalem's going to come to an end. And Hezekiah is like, he says, um, this is good, but it, but it won't happen. 39, right. It says, but it won't happen in your lifetime. And, um, okay. So this is interesting. I don't know how the ESV translates it. This in the message in verse eight of 39, Mm -hmm. Isaiah replies, Isaiah tells Hezekiah what's going to happen. And Hezekiah says to Isaiah, good. If God says so, it's good. Like this outward, like, okay, well, God's in charge. If God's going to do it. But inside he's thinking, like it tells us what he's thinking. Uh And that's where we find out that he's thinking, well, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. So that's exactly what it says. And it's one of the most, I agree. Like that stood out to me. I was like, oh my gosh, I love that the Lord tells us the thoughts. Like, and we see that in the gospel several times where it's Mm -hmm. like in their heads, they thought and God addresses their thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I love that they share with us that it's his selfish thoughts that, that are in his heart, which is. For he thought there will be peace and security during my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how a lot of us spend our time is like, it's fine. Oh, for yeah. like, we're not going to have, we won't have yeah. a dictatorship in my lifetime. Right. Socialism is fine because it's not going to happen. It's a while. It's a ways off. Yeah, it'll be a while. 
but this yeah. is what we're going to leave for our kids. And anyway, it's still a hundred years off before a Babylon actually does come and um, Assyria does come and capture Jerusalem. But that's why Isaiah feels like it's doom and gloom because that's what it's about is yep. that a hundred years from now. And that's going to happen. So then 40, the rest of 40 and the later parts, we get into really the prophecies of Jesus. Psalm 98 was cool. I feel like there was, I saw the very beginning. This is again, so much setting things right. This is, I think I talked about it in Isaiah, but multiple times in 96 and 97 and 98, it talks about God coming to set things right. In 98.1, it says, sing to God a brand new song. He's made a world of wonders. He rolled up his sleeves. He set things right. God made history with salvation. He showed the world what he could do. And it made me think like, this is, I think David writing this. And I was thinking like, just wait, like you don't even know about Jesus yet. Like you're, you're talking about like, he saved Israel from, like he's talking about that. And there's so much more to come. Like, yes, all the ends of the earth have seen our God's victory. Is that what, is that verse two? Sorry, that's verse three. The Lord has made his victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He'll straighten out the whole world. He'll put the world right and everyone in it. That's the end of 98. Oh, and 100 is beautiful. That Psalm 100 was one that I actually could recognize. Remember I've said, I can't, it's hard to recognize these, but this Mm -hmm. is, he is God. He made us, we didn't make him and we're his people. God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal, always and forever. Thank God. And then we read Psalm 103 this week, which is super special to me. And I feel like I talk about it all the time. I had a few people recommend the Tony Evans Bible. Oh, I think I heard you mention it. Yeah, it's really funny because I was reading it and my sister-in-law was like, I don't really understand why there's a man's name on your Bible. Like, what is the (laughs) the Tony Evans? Okay. Tony Evans, is he, was he a football player? Why do I have in my head that he was a football player? I mean, he's a famous preacher. He's Priscilla Shire's dad. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So I I got it one because he's a black man. He's a black Mm -hmm. pastor and I want more of those voices in my life. So, and when I heard that it was a really good study Bible and he's Priscilla Shire's dad, so it has to be good. He's got lots of things going for him. Yeah. I was like, I'll buy into that. So I, that's what I'm in right now. Anyway, his, I really like his um, questions and answers on the Psalms. How can the Psalms teach us to pray and praise better? Hmm. Answer. The Psalms are like a school of prayer. The beautiful thing about them is that they give the panoramic view of prayer and praise. They cover everything when nothing is wrong. And when everything is wrong, the Psalms provide abundant examples of people struggling with how to pray and praise in their circumstances. They're broad in subject matter covering virtually any situation that you could face So work your way through the Psalms. You can do this progressively from beginning to end, or you can read them based on specific subject matter, finding Psalms that match your circumstances. If you're losing hope right now, read Psalm 42. If you need to praise God, read Psalm 100. If you need to be reminded that God can meet your needs, read Psalm 23. There's a Psalm for every circumstance. He stole our line. Yeah. Well, I like that. Well, it's kind of funny that he said you could read it from beginning to end, which is what we're doing, mm-hmm. but, and which I've been kind of more in the mode of like, I really want to just, I want to pray them. I want to learn to pray them mm-hmm. for where I'm at, but I know some people that are losing hope right now. So I might have to recommend Psalm 42. I have to go back mm. and look at it. 
I literally don't have anything to offer from Psalm. So all I have to offer is go read Psalm 100 and Psalm 103. There you go. The forgiving God. That's Psalm 103. Is that what your Mm -hmm. Bible has for that? Yeah. He forgives your sins, everyone. He heals your diseases, everyone. He redeems you from hell, saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty eternal. He renews your youth. God is sheer mercy and grace. I love that. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.